Tonight, we discuss James Branch Cabell's romantic fantasy novel, Jurgen, 1919. This delightfully satirical and deeply esoteric work is considered Cabell's masterpiece and a classic of American literature. It might best be quickly described as an Oz book for adults. Modern readers will liken Cabell's tale to a Monty Python script. Chapter 22 was inspired by Aleister Crowley's Gnostic Mass, which prompted Crowley to praise Cabell as America's greatest novelist. And we'll read the infamous 22nd chapter, along with uh, some of the symbolically described erotic passages that got the original book banned in New York. This backfired and made Jurgen a national bestseller in the 1920s. And it is still a great read. So, if you want to spend an hour with Messrs. Cavill and Crowley, uh, stay with us and we'll follow Jurgen chasing his first love all the way from puberty to hell, which is a liberal democracy, and up to heaven, which is a Southern Baptist dictatorship administered by a black house slave. Now, of course, maybe we can get it banned. With all this, we can get it banned again. Um, anyway, let me tell you a little bit about uh, about this book, this book in relation to, to my experience. I grew up, as, as those of you who read The Seventh Ray and follow my uh, biographical uh, revelations on the Hermetic Hour. You know, I grew up in St. Pete, Florida. Um, back in the, um, you know, I started. I started into my teenage years back in the 1950s, and uh, uh, I grew up with a, a little group of science fiction fans, friends of mine, and. The mentor of our group was uh, an older writer, about 10 years older than the rest of us, Linwood Carter, who, and we all, we all of us uh, in that science fiction, uh, which we call the St. Petersburg Interplanetary Society, we all, we all ended up doing something along that line. Um, uh, my friend Dave Van Arnhem went on to, to write uh, and publish uh, uh, two or three science fiction novels, and I I published a couple of spy stories, and then and then started doing adventure stories for Argosy magazine. Lynn Carter, however, he our mentor, he went on to become the 
the editor, uh, the fantasy editor for Ballantine Books, and he was responsible for reviving uh, James Branch Campbell along with uh, uh, Tolkien and and um, and the rest of the of the Inklings and Sinclair Lewis, the rest of them, and. Uh, he became known as Mr. Fantasy, and he, uh, and he was, of course, the, the I say, the mentor of our little group. But I can recall at the time, back in 19, uh, 1950, I was reading. Yeah, I was still reading Edgar Rice Burroughs' uh, John Carter stories, and and uh, and and I got into Howard and you know, the original Conan stories, uh, and my my friend Dave Van Arnhem whose father and mother were both college professors, and so he he was raised in a very intellectual environment. And at that time, he said, he said, he said, Polk, he said, you know, uh, Conan, Conan's kind of childish. Uh, he said, why don't, you, uh, why don't you, you grow up a little bit and try James Branch Campbell? And, oh, boy. Well, I tried James Branch Campbell at the time when I was, when I was a teenager, and quite frankly, it was far too adult for my taste. Um, James Branch Campbell, uh, however, as I say, he he, um, he is considered uh, um, uh, among America's literary literary greats. Uh, I won't say he. I won't say that Jurgen is is uh, a strong competition for Moby Dick or anything like that. But but it's 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 it is a classic. And uh, anyway, James Branch Campbell. Um, was a Virginian of, of, of you know, good old Southern uh, uh, stock. In fact, one of his ancestors was a Confederate general, and uh, and so he's uh, he grew up in Virginia, and and very much a a uh, a Southern a Southern gentleman, uh, and raised in that in that uh, that environment. Very much interested in his own family's genealogy. In fact, he he did a lot of studying of his own family's genealogy, and and uh, and Campbell wrote romantic fantasies, um, and he was fascinated by uh, the Grail romances. And in fact, Jur- Jurgen is really, in many ways, is a satire on the Grail romances, um, and uh, along with several of his other books, uh, Cream of the Jest and and uh, um, the uh, his his character Don Manuel, uh, Campbell was was quite an influence on uh, on a number of uh, of writers, Clark Ashton Smith, of course, whom we've discussed before, and uh, and uh, um, and of course Richard Shaver also. Richard Shaver was very impressed with Campbell. Now, what Cavill did, and, and Clark Ashton Smith followed right along, is he created, Cavill created a fantasy uh, province in France and that was uh, in medieval France, and, and, uh, and, and Clark Ashton Smith did the same thing. And, uh, and, and uh, by the way, Cavill taught French. He was teaching French. Even when he was in in, in graduate school, uh, and he taught French and ancient Greek, so he was very much, very much of an intellectual and a scholar. And uh, 
Well, they said he was born in uh, 1879 and died in 1958. Um, and uh, he was quite uh, uh, well, you know, connected with H.L. Mencken, Edmund Wilson, Sinclair Lewis, other writers were, were um, um, uh, his friends and correspondents. And, of course, also Aleister Crowley, which we'll get into in a bit. In fact, Crowley was one of his uh, one of his, one of um, uh, Jurgen is to some degree inspired by by some of Crowley's writings, which we'll get into uh, as we progress in this uh, in this little study here. Um, now, uh, what uh, Cabell did was he created this 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 province in France which was uh, very much like uh, Languedoc uh, or Provence where uh, those of you who really you know are into the grail uh, thing realize and we've discussed this before that that uh, Camelot and King Arthur and all of that, that, that was all really in, in, in France. It, it, it got transplanted from France over to England, but it got started in France. And the troubadour romances and all these medieval romances were really, uh, were really originated in southern France. And so Cavill, being a student of romantic literature and a romanticist himself, he, he, he saw himself as a romanticist, and yet his stories are really kind of a send-up on romance. I mean, he, he really, he, he satires uh, these, uh, the, the romance. That's, that's why I say you, modern writers reading, uh, reading uh, Cabell, especially Jurgen, are going to be reminded of Monty Python. Because <laughs> reading Jurgen is like literally, it's like, uh, it's like reading, uh, you know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Cabell uh, uh, had a wonderful sense of humor and and and, and a great uh, sense of irony, and and he was he was really um, he was really into into irony, uh, and and uh, his his stories, of course, are uh, all have these uh, ironic symbolic twists. Now. Um, as I, we have to realize that 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 in a way, as some of his uh, friends commented, that he was writing romance, but he was also writing romance in a very realistic sort of a way, and and in fact, um, uh, he's really translating his own life and experiences and his knowledge of life. And, and the relationships between men and women, and and the whole romantic business into his stories, and and he uses uh, literary symbolism and mythological symbolism, uh, and uh, to, to to craft these stories, which are allegories really of of everyday life, and 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 uh, and, and Jurgen especially. Then, uh, so. Uh, to tell this, to briefly to tell the story of Jurgen. Um, Jurgen is you know, takes place is set in this 
in this fantasy uh, province in southern and medieval or late medieval southern France, like, uh, uh, and I'm not going to attempt to uh, pronounce uh, uh, pronounce it. Uh, uh, the, the name of that province. Campbell had a very simple way of pronouncing it, but, I, but I, I, I'm not going to attempt to let you figure out. Uh, figure it out. My French isn't that good. But anyway, uh, uh, Jurgen is a very romantic young man, and he wants to be a poet, and he is a poet, and 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 he wants to somehow or other he wants to live his life. In, in, uh, as a man of letters and poetry and, and adventure and, and, and uh, kind of a, kind of a, in, in a way, in his own way, a sort of a troubadour bard. Uh, and that's what he wants to do with his life. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, he gets to a certain point and, and has to make a living and, uh, and so he ends up marrying a pawnbroker's daughter, and and you know when the old man passes on, uh, uh, Jurgen becomes the pawnbroker, and and his wife, uh, Dame Lisa, uh, is is uh, you know taking care of him, and he takes care of the pawn shop, and. And uh, and you know he gradually as he gets older he uh, he gets he's in his forties and by the time he's in his forties which as you recall in in uh, late medieval times forties was really getting on in those days and and he's got himself a paunch and he's uh, and he's kind of spindle legged and he's but he's a very effective pawnbroker however uh, he still uh, wants to be a poet. And of course, his and and he tries to he still tries to write poetry and still tries to uh, be a romantic while he's you know while he's running the pawn shop and all that, uh, and uh, so as the story starts out, uh, he is uh, he is coming home uh, from the pawn shop, and he goes and and, and uh, he passes by this monk. Who is ranting about about uh, lascivious women? He's and he's ranting and 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 uh, and talking about and, and he's really up. The monk is 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 just kind of shouting about the, the, these these evil and disgusting people and and uh, and Jurgen's kind of offended. And he says, "Ah, oh, come on! These people aren't that bad." And he says, what, what are you? You know, this is, why are you getting so upset? And, and uh, why don't you just, you know, they, uh, they, just, they, 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 you know, people, people have a right to do to to do what they want to do. And so he dresses the monk down, and this um, uh, this black fellow. Who was described as a blackmoor, and obviously he's he's you know uh, he's an African, and uh, and uh, he's walking by, and he hears Jurgen dressing down the monk, and he walks up alongside Jurgen. He says, you know, he said, 
Yeah, I'm really, really, really pleased to hear you hear you uh, taken up for for the evil side of things. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, because uh, uh, I, I have kind of an interest in evil, and and, and he said, and I and, and I'm glad that that to hear to hear you uh, sticking up for evil because nobody else does, and and this and so. Uh, um, uh, he, he, he said, I'd, "I'd like to do something for you," and and uh, Jorgen says, "Well, I don't really have time for that." He says, um, "He says I have to go home to my wife," and um, <laughs> uh, and he and he makes a derogatory remark about uh, about uh, how unhappy he is, and and the uh, the market war. Uh, says, mm-hmm. and the Blackamoor, uh runs off with uh, with Jurgen's wife, Dame Lisa, and and uh, she disappears. And well, Jurgen is kind of upset by this because even though he has, his wife doesn't understand him and and all that, he did make this remark, and and apparently the Blackamoor took him at his at his word and and kind of kidnapped his wife. So he goes, he decides, Jurgen decides, well, he better do do the right thing and go and try to find his wife. So he goes off on a, on a, on a quest to find his wife, and it's the manly thing for him to do. And uh, this is where it starts. And uh, he... he he uh he, he finds out that 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 that, that uh, his wife might be or or in this cave and he goes into this cave looking for his wife uh and uh, and he gets in there and he runs into the black to the black guy again and uh the black fellow says well you know uh don't worry about your wife, and you know we we took care of that, you know. Uh, and and uh, uh, he's, he's and, and Jurgen, of course, explains that uh, you know he's talking about his wife, and Jurgen, Jurgen explains, oh, well, you know, she never does let me, you know, she she makes fun of my poetry, and she never lets lets me uh, express myself, and she just doesn't understand me, and I and I just really I really would. And so um, the black guy, who is who turns out to be, and I, and I know this is kind of a spoiler, but the black guy turns out to be, uh, he turns out to be he who is responsible for just about everything, and you find that out more or less in the end of the book. But uh, uh, Jurgen is is given a chance to relive his youth for one year. He is made. Uh, he is returned to his to, to about age twenty when he was when he was all full of himself and he was going to become the greatest poet in the world and an adventurer and all that. And so he returns to uh, uh, he's returned to to uh, he's like 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 he was when he was a twenty year old, and off he goes. So thing he does is he meets this centaur. You know, guy with a body of a horse and 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 uh, and and, and uh, uh, chest and shoulders of a of a man, and and the Saint Arnesis, um gives 
Jurgen uh, a, a magic shirt, and this magic shirt uh, is it's kind of a smock-like thing, and um, it looks or he puts it on, and and uh, yeah, it's really beautiful, and it's kind of like jo- uh, uh, Joseph's coat, coat of many colors. And tell you the finest truth, uh, it looks very much like the fool, like the uh, the smock that the fool of the tarot wears. Uh, by the way, um, the book Jurgen, which I encourage those of you who like romances like this and this sort of thing, I encourage you to get it. Uh, the book is illustrated by uh, a very fine artist in those days by the name of Frank C. Pape, P-A-P-E. And the Dover edition, the one I have, has just been, uh, I got the 1977 one, but they, they've just reprinted it with the paper. You, you can you can look for it on Amazon with the paper illustrations, and they got one of them on the cover. And uh, and they're very much, when I said that, uh, that Jurgen is like an adult Oz book, uh, part of the reason for that is the paper illustrations. And... You know, back in the 1920s, all just virtually all novels were actually illustrated. They uh, illustrators were were very much the vogue. Illustrating books didn't go out until uh, after World War II, um, and uh, so Pape's illustrations are really really beautiful, and they do remind you those of you who have read the Oz books. They remind you of John R. Neal's. Uh, illustrations in the Oz books, and so this gives Jurgen sort of the quality. Uh, Pape's illustrations give Jurgen the quality of of an adult Oz book, and 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 in fact, in a way, although Cabell is, I would say, a much more erudite and and much more um, uh, sophisticated writer than L. Frank Baum, but their styles and their subject matter are very similar. So those of you who read the Oz books, uh, you you will slide into James Branch Cabell very easily. And um, and quite frankly, I also said that, you know, it will remind you, Jurgen will remind you of a Monty Python script. And uh, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Monty Python people didn't, didn't uh, get a lot of their ideas from Jurgen. Um, and uh, anyway, you know, Jurgen got his got, got some of his ideas from Crowley, and and uh, maybe the Oz books too. But um, uh, so Jurgen gets this gets this beautiful shirt, which is which in a way is symbolic all through the all through the the, uh, the book. Uh, he wears this this beautiful shirt that that Nessus the centaur gives him, and it's kind of a magical garment takes off basically on his quest to regain he's regaining his youth and he's going to uh, um, he's riding on the back of the centaur and the centaur is riding along and the centaur yes he says well where are we going Nessus and Nessus says well we're going to the the garden between between dawn and and uh, and sunset Oh, that's interesting. So, they'll Nessus rides, and this is kind of like astral. In a way, this is like astral time travel because uh, they're they're riding against the sun, and they finally get to the garden between um, 
between um, sunrise and, and sunset, or dawn and, and sunset. And it's it's sort of a it's sort of a the garden is beautiful, but it's it's kind of a a, 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 a nether world out of time. It's it's beyond time. And when he gets to this garden, he meets his first love. Dorothy, Dorothy, you know, <laughs> like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Dorothy La Desiree. And Dorothy is this beautiful, beautiful blonde girl and and that he that he had a crush on when he was a teenager. And uh and so here's Dorothy just as just just as, as he remembers her in his fondest dreams, and um, but he also remembers what actually happened to Dorothy, and uh, and Dorothy um, Dorothy grew up and and married uh, um, married a nobleman, um, Heitman Michael, who. Uh, and and uh, and that of course broke Jurgen's heart way back when. But but he she has a chance in the garden between uh, between dawn and, and sunset. He has a chance to meet Dorothy, uh, his first love, and they sit and they talk and 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 uh, and and, and rub noses and whatever you know. And 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 uh, and Jurgen kind of uh, returns to his. Uh, uh, you know, to his youth in that respect, and then, however, uh, Dorothy has to go because uh, you know she has to eventually be summoned by by this guy she's eventually going to marry, and and off she goes. And so, uh, uh, Jurgen mounts mounts Nessus again, and off they go. And then, and this this is uh, very important in the story. He he goes to. Uh, the cottage of this of this Russian this Russian uh, goddess uh, um, Mother Sereda, and Mother Sereda is a leshy. Now, James Branch Cavill was one of these one of these writers of that time who was was a, 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 quite an anthropologist, quite a folklorist, and uh, and he really he really really. Uh, uh, I think he, he he must have had uh, the nine volumes of the Golden Bough, you know, right with him all the time, and and so he got Mother Mother Sarita out of out of uh, you know probably out of out of the Golden Bough, but uh, uh, Mother Sarita is is uh, is a goddess, uh, an old woman who who bleaches. And and he has, he's asking her, what do you do? What do you do? And she says, I bleach. And then she has all these garments. And fortunately, she doesn't get a hold of his shirt. But but she 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 bleaches the color out of everything. And she says, that's what I do. I just I just take the color out of everything. And uh, so, uh, but she's also mother mother Serena also. Uh, has control of all Wednesdays, and so uh, she gives because she likes Jurgen. She gives Jurgen a Wednesday. Any any Wednesday he wants, anywhere in, in his youth, anywhere any Wednesday he, he he wants to have. So so he gets to pick a Wednesday and own it, and then go and do whatever he wants to on his Wednesday. 
And so he does, and uh, and he goes, and he has a, a, a another adventure in his youth with Dorothy, and he uh, he tries to <laughs> he tries to kill Eichmann Michael in a duel. And Eichmann Michael is a much better swordsman than he is, and poor Jurgen uh, gets, uh, you know, he has to run with his, kind of run with his tail between his legs and give up on that. But anyway, Jurgen uh, continues on his on his quest, to, uh, basically uh, reliving, you know, he's, he's 20 years, he's, he's 20 to 25 years younger, and, and, uh, um, Having himself a wonderful time, uh, and and of course he's uh, whoa. And, and the important thing that Mother Sereda does in return for giving him the Wednesday that he can do anything he wants, she gives him a shadow. Now this is one of the important motifs in the book. Mother Sereda's shadow. As everywhere Jurgen goes, his shadow, this shadow goes with him. But if you look closely at this shadow, the shadow is not of Jurgen, it's of Mother Sereda. So she's following along with him, uh, you know, kind of to protect her Wednesdays or whatever. And and uh, and so every time Jurgen turns around and looks at his shadow, he's 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 aware of this strange-looking shadow, which turns out to be Mother Serena in the end. Anyway, um, Jurgen uh, encounters another another goddess, Anitus, and and uh, Anitus is is the queen of Cocagne, which is uh, an island, and and. Uh, and so Jurgen takes up with her, and uh, and they sail to her island. Now, this is where the uh, where Curly uh, uh, comes in because uh, Anitus is is really kind of uh, like Curly's Babylon. She's um, she's uh, a pagan she's a pagan priestess and goddess uh, and into all sorts of of uh, fascinating debaucheries and what have you. Uh, and uh, this is where, as I say, this is where uh, 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 Cabal is inspired, obviously, by Curly's Gnostic Mass. And when they get to the island, um, there is a passage, before they get to the island, um, Uh, in fact, I think it's on the on the boat. Uh, Jurgen manages to, in the dark, so the shadow, so Mother Serena's shadow can't see it. And, and uh, Jurgen likes to likes to he likes to do his seductions in the dark. I think I think he's already aware that that Mother Serena is following him along with the shadow. So he so he gets in the dark with with um, uh, and uh, and he. Uh, he has um, acquired this magic sword, which, which is um, actually eventually becomes Excalibur, uh, and uh, the 
And he, he uh, manages to uh, he manages to to uh, in the dark on the boat. He manages to get his sword. Uh, he manages to get his sword into Anitis, and and so she's quite pleased about that. And that is uh, that's. Uh, one of the metaphors of, you know, obviously it's a metaphor for for a sex act, and it's one of one of the things that that prompted the lawsuit in New York against the book for obscenity uh, was uh, was this these uh, uh, these Bevel and Tendra um, uh, sex scenes, which are uh, uh, and which which are which are primarily symbolic, um, and uh, I will read one of them. Uh, just so you get an idea of what of what what he was he was doing with this. Um, let's see. I can find it. Hmm. We triggered this passage, and I'm trying to find out where where was it. Oh, I think I got it. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, this this one this one was was with a lady ghost. And of course that, that makes it easier to handle at night. Uh and uh, let's see. There we go. Oh, yeah, all right. Now, by heaven, says Jurgen, when a woman tells me that, and even though the woman be dead, I know that's what she expects of me. So Jurgen put his arm around the ghost of Queen Sylvia Taru, and he comforted her. And then, finding her quite willing to be comforted, Jurgen uh, sat for a while upon the dark steps with one arm still about Queen Sylvia. And the effect the potion had evidently worn off because Jurgen found himself to be composed no longer of cool, imponderable vapor, but of the warmest and hardest sort of flesh everywhere. But probably the effect of the wine which Jurgen had drunk earlier in the evening had not worn off, for now Jurgen began to talk wildishly in the dark about the necessity of this in some way, avenging the injury inflicted upon his nominal grandfather, Ludwig, and Jurgen drew his sword, the charmed Caliburn. For, as you perceive, said Jurgen, I carry such weapons as are sufficient for all ordinary encounters, and I am not to use them to requite King Smoit. For the, for the injustice he did poor Ludwig. Why, certainly, I must. It is my duty. Ah, but Smoot, my this is back in purgatory, Queen Sylvia protested. And you draw your sword against a woman. To do that is cowardly. The avenging sword of Jurgen, my charming Sylvia, is the terror of envious men. But it is the comfort of all pretty women. It is undoubtedly a very large sword, said she. Oh, a magnificent sword, as I can perceive even in the dark. But Smoit, I repeat, is not here to measure weapons with you. 
Now your arguments irritate me, whereas an honest woman will see to it that all the legacies of her dead husband were duly satisfied. Oh, oh, what do you mean? Well, but certainly a grandson is, at one remove, I grant you, a sort of a legacy. There is something in what you advance. Oh, there's a great deal in what I advance, I can assure you. Well, that'll give you an idea. Oh, yes. It is this most natural and most penetratingly kind of logic, and I wish merely to discharge a duty kind of thing. Uh, and he does this several times in the course of the book. And, uh, and you know, it, 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 you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out what this means. <laughs> but needless to say, it was this, plus some remarks about uh, the that St. Peter made about about Christians, uh, in in uh, that got uh, that got him sued when the book came out in New York. He won the suit, by the way. Uh, the judge, the judge, you know, said, "Well, yeah, the judge's opinion on the on the suit was, well, yeah, it is a bit risque, but then, you know, you know, it's it's it doesn't it's it's not." Uh, uh, the judge was not not terribly uh, terribly impressed with the with the lawsuit. So Jurgen, but the result of the lawsuit was, of course, that Jurgen by 1920 became a New York Times bestseller all over the country, and and uh, and that put um, put James Branch Cavell on the literary map. Now, Queen Anitis. Uh, obviously Crowley's Lady Babylon, uh, and they're off to the island of Cocagni, and and uh, and, uh, and Jurgen has already shown her his sword in the darkness on the boat, and uh, and so they get there, and uh, and Amidas uh, decides to um, uh, uh, involve Jurgen in in the ceremony. Now, chapter 22, as to a veil they broke. That's the title of the chapter. And so it was that Jurgen came to Cocagne, where in is the bedchamber of time. And time, they report, came in with Jurgen. And since Jurgen was mortal, and time, they say, rejoiced in this respite from the slow toil of dilapidating cities stone by stone, and with his eyes, tired by the finicky work of etching in wrinkles, went happily into his bed into his bedchamber and fell asleep just after sunset on the fine evening of uh, the late June, and so that the weather remained fair and changeless with no glaring sun rays anywhere, and with one large star shining alone in the clear daylight. This was the star of Venus. And Jurgen later derived considerable amusement from noting how this star was trundled about the dome of heaven by a largest beetle named Kephra. And the trees everywhere kept their first fresh foliage, and the birds were about their indolent evening songs. And during Jurgen's stay in Cocagne, for time had gone to sleep at the uh, pleasantest hour 
of the year's most pleasant season, and so tells the tale. And Jurgen's shadow also went in with Jurgen, but in Kokagni, as in Grampian, nobody save Jurgen seemed to notice this curious shadow, which now followed Jurgen everywhere. In Kokagni, Queen Anatus had a palace where domes and pinnacles beyond numbering glimmered with a soft whiteness above the top of an old twilight forest, wherein the vegetation was unlike that which is nourished by ordinary earth. There was to be seen in these woods, for instance, a sort of moss which made Jurgen shudder. So Anatus and Jurgen came through narrow paths like murmuring green caverns into a courtyard walled and paved with yellow marble, wherein was nothing save the dimly colored statue of a god with ten heads and thirty-four arms. And he was represented as very much engrossed by a woman with his unoccupied hands was holding yet other women. This is Chigjabet, said Anatus. Said Jurgen, I do not criticize. Nevertheless, I think this Chigzabet is carrying matters to extremes. Then they passed the statue of Tangaro and Lolo Kwong, and afterwards the statue of Legba, and Jurgen stroked his chin, and his color heightened. Now certainly, Queen Anatus, he said, you have unusual taste in sculpture. And then Jurgen and thence Jurgen came with Anatus into a white room with copper plaques upon the walls. And there and there were four girls heating water in a brass tripod, and they bathed Jurgen, giving him astonishing caresses, meanwhile with the tongue, the hair, the fingernails, and the tips of the breasts, and they anointed him with the four oils, and then dressed him again in his glittering shirt. O Caliburn, said Atlantis, there was no present need. Of Caliburn, there is no present need. So Jurgen, Jurgen's sword was hung on the wall. These girls brought silver bowls containing wine mixed with honey, and they brought pomegranates and eggs and barley corn and triangular red-covered loaves, whereon they sprinkled sweet-smelling little seeds with formal gestures. And then Anatus and Jurgen broke their fast, eating together while the four girls served them. And now, says Jurgen, and now, my dear, I would suggest that we enter into the of those curious pleasures of which you were telling me. Oh, I'm very willing, responded Anatus, since there is no one of these pleasures but is purchased by some diversion of man's nature. Yet first, I need hardly inform you, there is a ceremonial to be observed. And what, pray, is this ceremonial? Why, we call it the breaking of the veil, and Queen Anatus explained what they must do. Well, says Jurgen, I am willing to taste any drink once. And so Anatus led Jurgen into a sort of chapel adorned with very unchurchlike paintings. And there were four shrines dedicated severely to St. Cosmo, to St. Debanius, to St. Gagnol of the Breast, and to St. Puntin de la Varelles. And in this chapel were a hooded man 
clothed in long garments that were striped with white and yellow, and two naked children, both girls. One of the children carried a censer, and the other held in one hand a vividly blue pitcher half filled with water, and in her left hand a silver of salt. First of all, the hooded man made Jurgen ready. Behold the lance, said the hooded man, which must serve you in this adventure. I accept the adventure, Jurgen replied, because I believe the weapon to be trustworthy. Said the hooded man, so be it. But as you are, so once was I. Meanwhile, Duke Jurgen held the lance erect, shaking it with his right hand. This lance was large, and the tip of it was red with with blood. Behold, said Jurgen, I am a man born of woman incomprehensibly. Now, I, who am miraculous and found worthy to perform a miracle and to create that which I may not comprehend. Anatus took salt and water from the child and mingled these and let the salt of the earth enable the thin fluid to assume the virtue of a teeming sea. Then kneeling, she touched the lance and began to stroke it lovingly. To Jurgen, she said, Now may you be fervent of soul and body. May the endless serpent be your crown, and the fertile flame of, of the sun your strength. Said the hooded man again, So be it. His voice was high. So be it. And bleeding because of that which had been done to him. Therefore, which we cannot understand, we also invoke, said Jurgen, and by the power of the lifted lance. And now with his left hand, he took the hand of Anatus. I, being a man born of woman incomprehensibly now, seize upon that which alone I desire with my whole being. I lead you toward the east. I upraise you above the earth and all of the things of the earth. And then Jurgen raised Queen Anatus so that she sat upon the altar, and that which was there before tumbled to the ground. Anatus placed together the tips of her thumbs and her fingers so that her hands made an open triangle and waited thus. Upon her head was a network of red coral with branches radiating downward. Her gauzy tunic had 22 openings so as to admit all imaginable caresses and was of two colors, being shot with black and crimson, curiously mingled. Her dark eyes glittered, and her breath came fast. Now the hooded man and the two naked girls performed their share of the ceremonial, which part it was not essential to record, but Jurgen was rather shocked by it. Nonetheless, Jurgen said, O cord that binds the circling of the stars, O cup which holds all time, all color, and all thought, O soul of space, not unto any image of being do we attain, unless thy image show in what we are about to do. Therefore, by every plant which scatters its seed, and by the most warm garden which receives and nourishes it, by the commingling of blood and pleasure, and by the joy that mimics anguish with sighs and shudderings, and by the contentment which mimics death, and by all these do we invoke thee, 
O thou continuous one, whose will these children attend, and whom I now adore in this fair colored and soft woman's body. It is thou whom I honor, not any woman, in doing what seems good to me, and it is thou who art about to speak, not she. Then Anatus said, Yea, for I speak with the tongue of every woman, and I shine in the eyes of every woman when the lance is lifted. To serve me is better than all else, and when you invoke me with a heart wherein is kindled the serpent flame, if but for a moment you will understand the delights of my garden, what joy unwordable pulsates therein, and how potent is the sole desire which uses all of a man. To serve me, you will then be eager to surrender whatever else is in your life, and other pleasures you will take with your left hand, not thinking of them entirely. For I am the desire which uses all of a man, and so wastes nothing, and I accept you. I yearn towards you. I am the daughter, and somewhat more than daughter to the son. I, who am all pleasure, all ruin, and the drunkenness of the inmost sense, desire you. Now Jurgen held his lance erect before Anatus. O secret of all things, hidden in the being of all that which lives, now that the lance is exalted, I do not dread, dread thee, for thou art in me, and I am thou, and I am the flame that burns in every beating heart and in the core of the furthest star. I, too, am life and the giver of life, and in me, too, is death. Wherein art thou better than I? I am alone. My will is justice, and there comes no other God where I am. Said the hooded man behind Jurgen, so be it. But as you are, so once was I. And the two naked children stood one at each side, of the of Avenatus, and waited there trembling. These girls, uh, as Jurgen afterward learned, were Electo and Tisiphone of the Anumians. And now Jurgen shifted the red point of the lance so that it rested in the open triangle made by the fingers of Anatus. I am life and the giver of life, cried Jurgen. Thou that art one that makest use of all, I who am a man born of woman, I in my station honor thee in honoring this desire which uses all of a man. Make open, therefore, the way of creation. Encourage the flaming dust which is in our hearts and aid us in that flame's perpetuation. For is not thy law. Anatus answered, there is no law in Kokagne save do that which seems good to you. Then, said the naked children, perhaps it is the law, but certainly it is not justice. Yet we are little and quite helpless, 
And so presently we must be made as you are. For now, you two are no longer two, and your flesh is not shared merely with each other. For your flesh becomes our flesh, and your sins are sins, and we have no choice. Jurgen lifted and ate us from the altar, and they went into the chancel and searched for the Adidam. And there seemed to be no doors anywhere in the chancel. But presently, Jurgen found an opening screened by a pink veil. Jurgen pressed with his lance and broke the spell and heard the sound of one brief wailing cry. It was followed by soft laughter. So Jurgen came into the Adidam. Black candles were burning in this place, and sulfur, too, was burning there before a scarlet cross. On which the top, on which the top was a circle, and whereupon was nailed a living toad, and other curious matters. Jurgen likewise noticed. He laughed and turned to Anatus. Now that the candles were behind him, she was standing in his shadow. Well, well, but you are a little old-fashioned with all these equivocal memories. And I did not know that civilized persons any longer retained sufficient credulity to wring a thrill from, from God-baiting. Still, women must be humored, bless them. And at last, we have quite barely fulfilled the ceremonial requirement to the pursuit of curious pleasures. Queen Anatus was very beautiful, even under his beginning shadow. Triumphant, too, was the proud face beneath that curious coral network. And yet this woman's face was sad. Dear fool, she said, it is not wise when you when you sang of the Leshy to put an affront upon Monday. Monday's the moon day. But you have forgotten that. And now you laugh because that which we have done you do not understand, and equally that which I am, you do not understand. And no matter what you may be, my dear, I am sure that you will presently tell me all about it, for I assume that you mean to deal fairly with me. And I shall do that which becomes me, dear Jurgen. That is it, my dear, precisely. You intend to be true to yourself, whatever happens. The apparition... Does, does you infinite honor, and I shall try to help you now that I have noticed that every woman is most truly herself, says Jurgen oracularly in the dark. That every woman is most truly herself, says Jurgen oracularly in the dark. And then Jurgen looked at her for a moment with twinkling eyes, and then Anatus, standing in his shadow, smiled with glowing eyes, and then Jurgen blew out those black candles, and it was quite dark. That, that is the infamous chapter 22 of Jurgen. And that, of course, was, uh, was what made uh, Crowley so, so happy with the book. And, of course, that's, that's what initiated their correspondence back and forth. And uh, Crowley, those of you who have a copy of Crowley's autohagiography, uh, The Confessions, uh, you can 
you'll notice there's about six references to James Branch Cabell. And um, in, uh, you know, the, the, in maybe 1923, Crowley uh, published an essay on Cabell in a, in a publication called The Reviewer. And uh, I'll read uh, I'll read the uh, the 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 OTO's uh, indicia on this. The following essay was originally published in the Reviewer, uh, Richmond, Virginia, in July 1923. Ev. Uh, and Crowley's original note on Cabell was a single-page review, Once and Beyond Life, which appeared in the Blue Equinox. Uh, and uh, Hurley had not previously known of the American fantasy novelist, and he hints in Confessions that it was H.L. Mencken who suggested the first review. Although very positive in the Blue Equinox, it sends generally and rhetorical extravagance, and barely begins to establish the critical perspective on Cavill. Crowley opened a long correspondence with Cavill in 1919 and sent him a copy of the Book of the Law as a guide to polemic literature and in the late spring of 1922. Crowley determined to outline his flowing admiration for Cavill's work and to suggest a more positive direction for his future novels. He wrote requesting three copies of Cavill's books and Cavill probably sent him three or four volumes. The result, of course, was this essay. Now, this essay is rather long, and, and uh, we're running short on time, but, but I'll read you just uh, I'll read you the first uh, uh, couple paragraphs of it. Uh, this, is, this is Crowley's essay in the reviewer. Um, Commercialism has destroyed literature in the, in the United States with a thoroughness to which Puritanism never pretended. The latter merely emasculated the artist. The former has removed his spinal column altogether. Criticism has been eliminated. For who will pay for it? The publisher and the newspaper, which lives on his advertisements, wants every book to sell. Therefore, the reviewer must confound them uh, all uh, with a common idea. The result has been, in the case of James Branch Cavill, that practically nobody, even among his admirers, has any idea what he has tried to write. My first introduction to him was beyond life. I was pleased. I got Jurgen, and I recognized at once that a new star of the first magnitude had arisen. But I do not connect the two books. I was rather annoyed to find that uh, the one the one Hor- Orvindale did did recur as one of uh, Jabal's characters. I had no suspicion that Orvindale was one of the principal characters of an epic of unprecedented scope. And now that I have read a number of Cavill's books, it is clear that each, though independent, is also one piece of a vast jigsaw puzzle. And I have now sufficient of these uh, sections to begin to perceive dimly the design of the gigantic picture of the universe which he has undertaken. Now, by the way, uh, you can, uh, I'm not going to go any further with this, but uh, you can find this, uh, Google another note on Cavill by Aleister Crowley. And just Google it, and it'll take you to this uh, take you to this essay on the internet. 
And uh, let me let me uh, uh, finish up here on the book because uh, there's a lot more in here than than, than just a uh, and just a fictionalized version of the Gnostic Mass, which we just read. Uh, Jurgen goes on to. Um, Metaphorically seduce several <laughs> several women uh, in in uh, and and uh, in this in this um, this dream that he's that this dream life that he has until finally in the end he goes he goes uh, to hell and visits heaven and uh, down in hell he finds out that uh, that hell uh, that the demons down in hell are all miserable because. They, they 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 have to torture people, and they don't want to. It's, it's a lot of work to torture these people, and and they all complain to him, uh, to Jurgen. They they know uh, these people all that they think they have these sins, and they come down here and they and they and they and they, and they want to be tortured, and they and 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 they just drive us crazy. We we don't have any time to rest. We got to torture them all the time, and. And sure enough, uh, Jurgen runs into his father, and his father wants to be. His father is very sanctimonious, and he really wants to be tortured. And he's driving the rest of the, de- the demons crazy. And uh, finally, finally, uh, 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 Jurgen uh, uh, he takes up with a vampire who is vacationing in hell, a lady vampire, and uh, and they they go out and have. Dinner with the Osmodeuses, you know, and they're getting. And Jurgen uh, enters into the politics down in hell. It's a, it's a democracy. It's a very, very corrupt democracy. And 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 uh, remind, <laughs> in fact, reading uh, reading Jurgen's uh, speech uh, put to the to the council, the demons council in hell is is like listening to some of this politics that's going on these days. Uh, then then finally. Jurgen goes up to heaven, and uh, he goes up to heaven. He's still, you know, trying to find himself and and all. He gets up to heaven, and and he uh, and he finds that God is a you know, is this old man like like uh, Moses, you know, the old man sitting on this this, this throne under a rainbow with uh, um, uh, uh, a long white beard and. And heaven, of course, is a, is, is a complete dictatorship. Um, and and he gets into a conversation with God, and uh, this this is where this is where we have uh, the uh, we reveal the great hermetic secret here. And 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 Cabell was as as was Crowley was a great student of, of, of Hermes, obviously. Uh now um this I'm gonna read you this because this is this is the ultimate the ultimate secret here. Um God and God and and uh, and and and, and Jurgen are having a conversation here. Why, said Jurgen of a sudden, why but my grandmother, in a way, I was right about heaven, and about you also. For certainly you seem to exist and to reign in just such an estate as she described. 
And yet, according to your latest revelation, I too was right in a way about these things being an old woman's delusions. And I wonder now, yes, Jurgen, why I wonder if everything is right, myself and my grandmother in a way, I wonder that is the large secret of everything. It would not be a bad solution, sir, said, said Jurgen meditatively. God smiled. Then suddenly that part of heaven was vacant, except for Jurgen, who stood there quite alone. And before him was the throne of the vanished God and the scepter of the God. And Jurgen saw that the seven spots upon the great book were of red sealing wax. Jurgen was afraid, but he was particularly appalled by his consciousness that he was not going to falter. What you who have been a duke and a prince and a king and an emperor and a pope and do and do such dignities content Jurgen? Why not at all, says Jurgen. So Jurgen ascended the throne of heaven and sat beneath the wondrous rainbow. And in his lap now was the book, and in his hand was the scepter of the god of Jurgen's grandmother. Jurgen sat thus for a long while regarding the bright, vacant courts of heaven. And what will you do now? said Jurgen aloud. Oh, fretful little Jurgen, you that have complained because you had not your desire, you are omnipotent over earth and all the affairs of men. What now is your desire? And sitting thus terribly enthroned, the heart of Jurgen was led within him, and he felt old and very tired, for I do not know. Oh, nothing can help me, for I do not know what thing it is that I desire. And this book and this scepter and this throne avail me nothing at all. And nothing can ever avail me, for I am Jurgen, who seeks he knows not what. Boy, that, that is quite a... <laughs> well, they say that, you know, when, when we say, know yourself, you are God. Yeah. And uh, Anne Cavill certainly was aware of that formula, and, of course, so was his friend Crowley. And uh, so I hope you have enjoyed this, and I strongly, uh, I've only given you a taste. There's, there's, there's a lot more to Jurgen than what we've explored tonight, but I think, I think you, I, I hope I've given you enough, enough of it to where you will, um, you will consider uh, reading the book and even, you might even consider studying it. Uh, and I, as I said, I strongly recommend you get the Dover edition. Um, and uh, this is the one that has the paper, uh, the the, uh, the Frank Pape illustrations, um, and the the other Jurgen books, uh, the Cream of the Jest and the Silver Stallion, and and uh, uh, all of his uh, Don Manuel books are all very very good. Uh, so next week, uh, next week we will uh, venture into another classic. Uh, 
and I'm, I'll tell you what it is. We'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to another one. And uh, by the way, I am adding Jurgen. We just we just republished the the first seventh ray, uh, book one, the Blue Ray, and we added an addendum to it. It went out of print. We added an addendum, and. I added Jurgen to the to the list of uh, recommended magical fiction books uh, in in there, and somehow or other it had not gotten into the first the first list, and so I, I added it to the list, and strongly recommend it, and uh, I hope that uh, I've I hope that I've I've made some friends for James Branch Cabell. Um, anyway. Uh, that's uh, that's it for tonight, and uh, see you next week, and good magic. <laughs>